Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of MCG Rant. This is going to be more of a normal episode. We're going to talk about actual, like, what's going on in Magic <laughs> the Gathering today. Uh, we'll get back to the, the flashback stuff, because we're going to have a lot of time with that over the next, what, about month and a half, two months. There's not yeah. a ton going Holiday on. Holiday season is always right. slow. Right, right now we're RC. building towards the RC. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which I'm going to be attending, and a little spoiler for the show, it's Pioneer. It looks like shit has hit the fan for this RC. Yeah. So. I hope you haven't done too much testing in the last few weeks, because I don't think that testing is relevant anymore. It ain't relevant anymore. Uh, for everybody at home, it is uh, Wednesday afternoon. Technically for me, it's about 12.15. It's uh, one fifteen for Ross, the day before Thanksgiving. Uh, I know that your house smells really good right now, right? Because you're you're preparing for Friendsgiving. Yeah, we've, we've got a Roanoke Friendsgiving tomorrow. So jealous. So everybody's making different stuff and obviously yeah. going to do a lot of the the prep work today um and then do a little bit more tomorrow morning so uh currently while i'm recording i have i've given emma control of the kitchen she's of course the baker yeah uh, in the relationship so she is on dessert duty she has made two separate pecan pies what's what's the difference uh one has bourbon and one does not uh she actually just sent me a picture of them over discord before as they're going into the oven but like and that I'm talking. Is this your love language? This is how. Is this how you all flirt with each other? Basically, yes. I love it. (laughs) Just absolutely love. Yeah, she she made the crust from scratch. Like it's literally fully from scratch. So this is going to be incredible. Marry this woman, Ross. Mm, Yeah, I've I've already, um, I've already, hey, you know, been teasing her for the last like two days about how I'm going to eat them before Thanksgiving. She's yeah. Please don't. So, uh, you and I were talking a little before this. I went from having uh, nothing to do for Thanksgiving. uh, Yeah to having two things now to do for Thanksgiving and just for everybody at home if like you you feel bad for me or whatever it's completely fine I just like don't have family it's just it's just a thing that happens like you know what I mean yeah. and so uh, randomly my brother called me a few days ago and he's like hey we're doing it at my house this year do you want to come by you know we're starting at like 5pm which worked out perfect because my best friend uh, I think you may have heard me mention this guy it's a guy named Jake you know I grew up with him I've known his wife since like second grade I've known him since like seventh grade I'm the godparent to their first child you know what I mean like this is, you know, like my best friend, right? And um, what's it called? Uh, he lives like a mile down the road for me. And he knows that like I don't have family and stuff. So he's like, yeah, man, why don't you just like come over around like 11 o'clock or noon? You know, we do lunch or whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, hey, that works perfect. You know, like I'll, I'll, I'll fit in both. So I went and grabbed some stuff to like bring because you can't come empty handed, even though both of them were just like, yeah, just bring yourself. Don't worry about it. I'm like, not my style, you know? But the funny part is, is, um, well, you know, one of the reasons I moved back to Baton Rouge was to take care of my mom. And yeah. she sent me like a long text this morning that she needed groceries. And she sent me this like huge long list of groceries. So I had to go grocery shopping today. Have you been grocery shopping the day before Thanksgiving before? Um, I doubt it. I'm usually planning ahead. We we did our shopping yesterday. It's not fun. Yeah. Like I get there and you just look at the, you know what you're talking about? You like pull up to somewhere and you look at the park, the parking lot and you're just like, like you ever drove up to like the gym or you know anywhere where like you know space is like important like the gym grocery store or anything it's just the parking lot's full and you're just you dread immediately going in there and I just have this huge long list and it's like very she likes very specific things yeah which you know I get it you know it's one of the reasons why I have to go do grocery shopping for her she gets anxiety I have to take care of the stuff and like I have to get the exact stuff so I was like oh that's a a thing so it was just all these random stuff and then just a bunch of I I'm like not. EMO level like I'm not baking but I just bought a bunch of desserts because I'm like you can never go wrong bringing like extra cookies and brownies and pies right also like, yeah, I try to stay definitely. away from the pies because like I, I found that like if you go certain places you know certain families there's this one, the person like Emma right who bakes pies and if you bring one 
that's like the same of what they made. Like some people can take that the wrong way. And I'm like, dude, I just brought a pie. You know, but yeah, otherwise yeah. they're like, like, what the, what are you, what are you trying to say, Jim? You don't like my pie, Jim? You don't like my apple pie? What's wrong with you? You can leave, you know, that kind of stuff. So, but I'm very jealous of y'all's Thanksgiving. Uh, what, what's on the menu for like you? Because I know, you know, I'm sure most people who listen know that you're a vegetarian, but like, just in case they don't. Yeah. So, uh, actually we had a, we had a Friendsgiving planned a couple of years ago and I, my plans for it got foiled because I got COVID for the first time. Uh, right before it, I planned to make a recipe that Elliot Raff had sent me that like his family does. It sounded good. He's and probably a, a good person to listen to. And it comes, yeah. like, I have a feeling his family's got good, good stuff. Yes. It was a, uh, a leek and butternut squash bread pudding. So savory bread pudding. Uh, and I love butter and squash. I love leeks. I've been trying to cook with them more. Oh, so I, yeah. I am finally yeah. going to be making that, uh, for this Friendsgiving. Um, so that, that's my plan for after we finish the show, I'm going to assemble it and then let it soak overnight in all of the custard and then bake it in the morning. So that's my prep work for the day, but I have a few other things on the docket tannin. Okay. Um, One, I'm making the cranberry sauce because I always put myself in charge of cranberry sauce because most people don't care about it at all. This is literally the only time in my life that I would eat cranberry sauce, by the way. It's like Thanksgiving, oh. and if someone makes it from, like, not, like, someone makes it, you know? Yeah, I, mean? I, lo- I love cranberry sauce. I think it's the most underrated of the Thanksgiving foods. I have some oh. very strong opinions about Thanksgiving. Uh, One, apparently. cranberry <laughs> yeah. sauce is incredibly underrated. Two, okay. turkey is incredibly overhated. Overrated. Overhated. Yeah. No, turkey okay. is delicious. You mm. just have to know how to make it right. It's okay. very easy to make it dry. Also, yes, that's probably why I overrate it is because yeah. I don't like my mom's turkey. But like, um, I think another thing too is we overeat it. You need turkey to be like, uh, it doesn't, yes, it's like the the main course, yeah, but it doesn't but need it to be, be like a, half your plate. Like, yeah, it should be the same quantity as everything let's, else. Let's be real. And I'm sure about 90% of the people listening, the best part of Thanksgiving meals, A, is the desserts and then B, the sides. Like, let's be real. Yeah. Um, but turkey overhated. I think it is very well. Uh, my my mom started brining the turkey like 10 years ago. We've never gone back. It's, it takes some prep work. Like you've got to let it brine for a while because especially if it's a big bird, uh, but it's delicious. Um, but honestly, if you wanted to make like, you know, a roast beef for Thanksgiving, like fucking do it. That sounds great. Um, I think ham is overrated. Oh, I, yeah, I just like ham. Uh, hold on. Well, so stuffing, I think, is the best side, which is why I'm making this bread pudding. It's sort of a, a similar to idea to stuffing. Uh-huh. Um, I think mashed potatoes are overrated. And yeah, I can see I, that. I had one other. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. About I broke Thanksgiving. Your, I broke your chain. Of, your I, I don't chain remember. Of thought. It, it's irrelevant. But I'm making butternut squash leek bread pudding with a lot of cheese. It's going to be delicious. I'm Dude, making can a cranberry I just come sauce. Over? Um, I am making. Can I just jump on a plane and come over. Like, uh, yeah. I'm I'm making gravy, so there's a vegetarian gravy because Emma's <laughs> also making Yorkshire puddings as sort of like the dinner roll part of the meal. Oh, I'm so jealous. Yeah, and Yorkshire puddings are just way better than a traditional dinner roll. It's like a dinner roll meets a croissant because it's like the flaky layer kind of thing. Don't worry, everybody at home that's listening. We will have a 15 to 20 minute break in a second that you can go eat a, a meal since listening to this. I, am, <laughs> yeah. I had breakfast before doing this and I have am a lunch starving. Break. Yeah, I am starving now. Yes. Yeah. So I'm going to I'm going to make a... Uh, a vegetarian mushroom gravy. Oh, I should say the uh, the cranberry sauce is going to have some spice to it, like Ooh. spices, like ginger Ooh. and cinnamon. It's also going to have some champagne and orange juice, which is pretty traditional, orange cranberry all together. But yeah, 
I've never heard that. It okay. mainly gives me an excuse to buy orange juice and champagne. So while we're cooking so in the morning, them, we can yeah. have mimosas. Yeah. So that's how Thanksgiving will start. Do you get and, at least um, decent champagne or do you just get the, the cheap oh, stuff? Oh, I love cheap champagne. Okay. I bought a bottle of Andre Brooch for $9. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the ready. That, they're, the ones that are like more likely to get uh, sprayed across the room than actually drink. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, and the last thing I'm making, which I did on a whim, is a, a cheddar chive beer bread. I think we'll serve that as like an appetizer. I'll just put that out on the table so people can eat something while, you know, before dinner. Because I assume I hear nobody's so eating much breakfast. Carbs. I, I'm yeah. going to eat so many carbs tomorrow, by the way. Just it's, so many. It's part of the reason cranberry sauce is so necessary. Everything else is like rich, buttery carbs, and you just like need yeah. something tart. Um, Emma's also making some Brussels sprouts, so we have some vegetables. Uh, do you do so uh, any kind of glaze or anything with them? Uh, we're uh, we're going to toss them with a little maple syrup just because we have sure. some on hand. Um, mm. There's also some maple syrup in the, the pecan pies, by the way. You should replace a little bit of the corn syrup in the filling with maple syrup. Is this is this one of the only words that we really diverge on and how we pronounce it? Uh, pecan? Yeah, because I say pecan. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of go back and forth. I honestly don't pronounce it consistently. I've heard both from you, but you just said pecan pies. And like, yeah. I'm just like... I always... basically pronounce it however... Whatever best fits the rhythm of the sentence it's being put in. So, so whatever alliteration works better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's so, not literally yeah. alliteration, but you know what I mean. Uh, so yeah, it's it's never consistent. So we're we're doing a lot. I think uh, I think uh, Chris is on a potato duty. And he's making like a hash brown casserole. Oh, that sounds um, so good. Yeah, somebody else See, is that's, doing that's turkey. That's way better and... than just getting runny, gross mashed potatoes. Like, yeah. But I, I'm, I hope this bread pudding is as good as it sounds because it sounds delicious. And mm-hmm. yeah, so that, that's, my, I've got to do the, I've got to do the prep, the, the bread pudding today. And then tomorrow morning, like the cranberry sauce takes 10 minutes. I can do that while things are baking. The gravy also takes like 20 minutes. I can do that while things are baking. And the beer bread I wanted to do day of, but obviously it'll take a while to cool. So that'll be my first thing in the morning. There's no like yeast or rice time with it. The beer gives you the natural yeast. That's why it's so easy. So that's just like throw shit in a bowl, mix it together, dump it in a loaf pan and put it in the oven. And then, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be good to go. It's going to be, it's going to be a good Friendsgiving. So I have, I have a question for you and I want, I want your honest opinion here. Cause I'm going to ask you a question. Cause this, this is going to influence what I do tomorrow. Okay. And the people at home, you can answer too. Let me know later. Uh, is it okay? I'm going to two other, like I'm going to the Thanksgiving someone's house and another house. Is it okay for me to wear some informal kind of pants that stretch? Like, you know what I mean? Like I don't have to wear like nice pants or anything like that. Even if I wear like a, a, a okay shirt, is it okay for me to wear like some form of like, maybe not like pajama pants, but like, you know, nicer sweats, you know, like kind of thing. Is that okay? I would say it sort of depends on the the places that you're going. I wouldn't yeah, want I to be ask, in right? that when they're more formal. You just have to sort yeah. of read and, and match the room. Yeah, that's the problem though. I need to call like both of them, which they're very bad about answering their phones and be like, what's the, is I know there's no dress code, I'm using quotations here, but like, do I need to wear khakis? You know, like, <laughs> like, what am I, what are we looking at here? Are we look at like business, like business casual or... So, what you need to get, Tannen, is a pair of pants, like nice pants with a stretchy waist. That's yeah, so, what I have. Yeah, I have like one or two maybe, but like most of them are like, you know, like the, I mean, I have like the expensive workout stuff, you know, like pants that are, yeah. but I don't have any that are like, they look like they're, I need to get the ones that are made for golf is what I need to get. So, but also my but, Friendsgiving is probably going to be yeah. informal as shit. I could probably walk in in the yeah. Simpsons pajama pants yeah. I'm currently wearing. 
we used to always do it at my house. So like that made it easy. I could just change, you know, if like everybody yeah. else. And then um, that was actually my original plan for Thanksgiving. I didn't have anything to do. I was going to probably get Chinese food and then go play golf because like all the golf courses are closed. So I was just going to like literally walk out there with my bag on my back and just like go walk around of golf. But just because that takes like a while and it's actually, it's like very soothing to just play around of golf by yourself and walk through it. It's like really quiet and like almost meditative. It's nice, especially if you're like, you're not playing that bad because you're playing bad then you're like okay this kind of sucks but anyway yeah you got you gotta you gotta raise your game for the holiday Shannon. that's that's the hard part though you don't get a cart and like look man i'm in like some of the best shape of my life but like you carry a bag around for you know a bag of clubs around for 18 holes i'm i just turned 39 on monday like a couple days ago like you know man the back the back is not what it used to be you know what i mean I have to carry you so much hey, so often that like it, I just, it's gone. You know, my, I thought I was going to be laid up yesterday. I I woke up. What in did the you morning. do? I it was not a, like a single moment. I think I just slept weird on it, and it okay. just kind of like progressively got a little worse throughout the day. Yeah. And then Emma and I were getting ready to go out and get groceries for Thanksgiving week, and we just walked to the grocery store and carry everything back. We both bring a backpack yeah. and um and. Like right as I'm like waiting for her to like finish up getting ready, uh, my and I'm standing up. by the door, my back just like spasms on me, and I literally like dropped to the ground. Like I got yeah. on my knees and crawled to the couch, and like, <laughs> had to lie there for five or ten minutes, and then kind of walk like, it off. It was just like Ross, if you wanted to get out of grocery shopping, you could have just asked. So you didn't have to make this elaborate <laughs> ruse. Yeah. Yeah. It was bad. I, I've I've like you know wrenched my back before. I actually it, I. Uh, I needed, I literally needed Emma to like help me put pants on one morning, like <laughs> like earlier this year because I had wrenched my back so badly. I think I'm old. Like you need help putting your pants on. <laughs> so I'm, I'm starting to get, uh, I'm starting to get the back injuries. It's, mm-hmm. I, I, I still have like a, you know, I could feel like a dull, mm-hmm. like a tiny ache. I bought like a thing of, uh, you know, the, like the patches that sure. go ice, that go icy. I'm bad about stretching, man. I just don't stretch enough. Yeah, I, I guess I should start doing that more often. We, we both should. Especially with how much I've been in the gym lately, I'm probably, like, doing some damage or whatever. Isn't it hilarious how, like, in, in college, I know you and I were the same, we could go out all night, drink all night, get, like, three hours sleep, wake up for class, and be, like, chipper and ready to go. Nowadays, you, like, sleep wrong, you're like, I can't walk for two days. <laughs> it is, uh, it's a different time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I used to specifically schedule my classes for only one fifteen and later, though. Sure, so I could be awake yeah, until sure. five in the morning and then just sleep till noon. I did the same thing. Also scheduled all my classes on Fridays during uh during football season because our school shuts down on Friday, the day yeah. before games. So that was always really nice. But I uh, I would I would have a class that was one fifteen to two thirty Monday, Wednesday, and Tuesday, Thursday, and then two forty five to four m- Monday, Wednesday, and Tuesday, Thursday, and then yeah. I'd have to figure out somewhere to put a fifth class because I had to take a fifteen credits a semester to graduate on sure. time. Um. Yeah, those semesters sucked. I did that a few times. You did what? I said those those semesters sucked. I did that a few times. Doing 15 was like the bare yeah. minimum at Harvey Mudd. People took like 18. I know people yeah. took like 22. No, I was doing like, tw- I did 12 a lot, and then I did 15. I did 15 a decent bit, or it doesn't matter. Like, as long as you can get the, the longer classes, you know, that you got yeah. more credit for them. But I would only do the professors that didn't make, like, I would look, in, look them up, and they, like, didn't actually make you take the entire you know i mean like you you didn't need to be there the entire like three or four hours or whatever because dude i don't care who you are it is so hard to sit through you maybe because you're fucking weird but 
Oh, I can't no. sit through three or four hours of the same class. I just can't. I I took one three hour class. It was a, it was Wednesday evening. They're all freshman year, six yeah. to nine. And it, Wednesday was already my busiest day. So when you were a freshman, like everything was sort of scheduled for you because you had all these sure. four classes. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, I was actually fortunate. Most fr- most freshmen had both semesters had class from eight to noon. You just had four straight classes that were 50 minutes long with a 10 minute break between fr- uh, that went eight so to noon. walk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I, because I had, uh, I had done a bunch of math in high school at Wesleyan, I didn't have to do the freshman math uh, courses and my sophomore sure. courses met later. So I only had nine to noon, um, but I had nine to noon class. Then I had, um, I think, a, I want to say t- one fifteen to two o five class, something like that. And then I had a two forty five to four class. And then I put this six to nine class in the evening. My um, and I I literally fell asleep every week, to the point where some of the other students in the class got mad at the professor because he let me fall asleep every week. They're like, why don't you t- like you know chastise him? Why are why aren't you getting mad at him? Like, this is so disrespectful. Yeah. And he just he just looks over at them and goes, shrugs his shoulders, and goes, he writes good papers. <laughs> <laughs> I have a uh, I have a similar one. I took this. Uh, I remember one of my so I, I went to two different colleges and one of them was a commute. Before I went to LSU, I went to this one called South Southeastern, and I remember I had this like night class in one of them because it was something I needed time for, and the way I did it was. It was on like, you know, one night a week for like two or three hours or whatever. And it meant that I had one less day that had to commute all the way to school because it was in like, it was in, it was in some other, have you ever seen this? Some schools that they'll have like night classes that like aren't on campus. They're somewhere else. Yeah. And so this one was taught way closer to where I lived because my commute was like 45 minutes to an hour uh, every day for, for school. So I'd go about like three days a week or whatever, right? So this one let me cut a full day out, right? By taking this class at night. And it was some literature course or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And we study uh, something for one part of the semester. We studied like this book, right? And if I remember right, it was like Beowulf or something. Because it was like, you know, early European, I don't know. You know, it was like some class, but we started doing Beowulf. And I'm just like, I rolled my eyes. I'm like, man, this sucks. It's like the fourth fucking time I've had to read this for school. You know, because I had to do it in grade school. I had to do it like high school. Like, it's it's so stupid. Like how often you, you overlap stuff. And I remember the teacher took attendance or whatever, right? So I, like I had to go. So this sucked. And one day she realizes that I'm not paying attention. I might have been reading a book for something else or like, look, because this is like early 2000s. So you're not just scrolling the internet on your phone. You know what I mean? Like it's a yeah. much different time, right? So I think I literally just had a novel out in my, in my thing. And I, I wasn't always the nicest person. And like, I'm very blunt when it comes to certain things. You've seen this. You've seen the very dry side of me. Like when I can be very blunt and stuff about things. And like, it just kind of came out. I don't remember the exact thing, but like, she was just like, yeah, you don't think you need to pay attention. And I was just like, look, it's, it's something against you with class. I've just, I've read this so many times or whatever. Right. And I'm like, we're going to cover this over like the next three or four classes or five classes or whatever. And like, I, I, I can't pay attention. Like, I'm sorry. You know, I'm trying to be like, I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I'm saying very, yeah. very nice. Cause she, we're talking in front of all the other students while we're doing this, by the way, like, cause she calls me out in class. And so I'm like, yeah, man, I'm just, I've ma'am, I've just done this a bunch, like blah, blah, blah. And so she, she does the typical thing a teacher does. She's like, oh, so do you think you could like pass the test right now? Like, you know, all challenging. Yeah. And it's like, do you have it? And it gets real quiet in the room. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, I will take it right now if I don't have to come to the rest of the classes on this on this book. And she's just like, she just gives me this look. I'm like, I'm dead serious. Because like, you know, I, I can see she's like trying to see if she should call my bluff or not. And I'm like, I'm dead serious. Give me the test or whatever. So she gives me the test. I take it. And I don't come for the next like three or four classes. It was great. 
obviously I just aced the damn test. I can like still to this day tell you like the name of the fucking sword. It's <laughs> you know, I've studied this so many damn times. Like it's so stupid, right? And so like I was just like, yeah, man, like anyway, let's let's not let's let's get into some actual <laughs> magic stuff. We've, we we've we've ranted quite a bit on this episode. Yeah, we have we've derailed it quite nicely. Yeah, I'm, I I'm actually proud have of something us. to do today. Yeah, I know. I have something it's Thanksgiving, man. You're, like my brain like have you noticed this time of year, like the days are made up and nothing matters like from, from about mid to late November to January, like 10th or whatever. Like, I just find that like the real world just changes, right? Like, especially if you have like certain jobs, people are like way more lax about you coming in or leaving early and like doing stuff. People are just at each other's houses all the time. You're like constantly buzzed. Like everyone's just like, Oh, it's just an excuse to have like parties and drink, and eat a bunch of food. You gain like 10 pounds. It's just a week. Like, this month and a half, like, just doesn't count. It's, like, not real. Yeah. Everybody's still getting used to the lack of sunlight. Yeah, it sucks. So, dude, are we, do we're done, right? Like, this is the last time? Uh, I hope so. We're, we're I think it is. The, like, next year, they're not, we're not changing, and that's, yeah. like, the test. Yes. And it, it, I is, assume... it, is it where we're going to have more sunlight? Yeah, yeah. So, we're going we're okay. to gonna go an hour, Leap we're going to spring ahead yeah. in the spring and get back the daylight savings yes. time. And then, but we're not going to fall back. Like... Screw this it being like pitch black at like 5.20 p.m. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, yes. Like, it is. It's, it's not like, great. But and like, it's only getting worse for another anymore. month. Yeah, we're not all farmers anymore. Like, we don't need to do this. You don't need to have your kids home from school a little extra to like tend the fields before they go in and take their like three courses or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, uh, God, please, can we be less archaic? Anyway, uh, let's talk about some magic before I go on another rant. Okay. So you, you want to start with, uh, with Apex stuff? Yeah, man. So like over the weekend, yeah, uh, it was like this past weekend, right? Just, it was. just, okay. Cause I watched some of your coverage cause there was literally like 17 things going on this weekend. I watched like that EU, <clears throat> like eternal weekend, uh, all kinds yeah. of stuff that was going on. Um, you were in, what city is it actually in? Is it Dayton? Caldwell, Ohio. Caldwell. Okay. So you were in Caldwell, Ohio with Tandy. You were doing the Apex. Uh, this was the big end of the year this invitational, invitational right? weekend. What was it? A 30K? 20. 20K, right. And Invitational only, so small field. And you guys were playing what format? Yeah, the so the Invitational itself was modern. We had three LCQs, last chance qualifiers, that we also did coverage for. Um, yeah, one of which was Pioneer, two were modern. So we did uh, all the LCQs were five rounds straight, straight Swiss, top four qualify after the Swiss. Uh, which led to a couple field ads. We had uh, one person bubble at 4-1 in the Friday event, which was Will Hall, unfortunately for him, coming all the way from England. Um, and then, um, and then he, was he lost. Just like in, was he just in town randomly? Like what? I, I think he's like making a big trip out of it, but this was like one of the stops on, on sure. the trip. Because sure. I've, I've seen him and he was in like Disney this week uh, doing other stuff. So I assume he's going to be in the US for a while, but I think this yeah. is where the trip started. Yeah, I was going to say, I should have like reached out to him and be like, dude, because he actually messaged me this morning. I should have reached out to him and been like, are you going to be in Atlanta? Like, what's going on? Yeah. yeah. Like, um, but he uh, he then lost a, oh, oh what would have been a win, and he was 3-1 and lost round five when his breakers would have been good enough. Because two people, so the, the Friday night modern LCQ, he bubbled at 4-1, and then the modern RCQ, which was the early one on Saturday, uh, not LCQ, uh, he, he lost by 4-1 when his breakers would have been good enough. Because two people bubbled in that one, one of which was Bo Macarier, unfortunately. Um, so we had two two guys that we were rooting for on uh, uh, bubble, but you know other good people made it in. It was uh, 
but doing the LCQs is fun um, the first couple days, but it really all built up to that Invitational. Uh, it was 65 players, and <laughs> this was my favorite part of the weekend. So the announced prize structure paid down to top 64, mm-hmm. and we had, um, I think, 80 players qualified, including the 12 that LCQ'd in. It was 68 over the course of the year, because you had to make the finals of one of the qualifying tournaments this year. There were no like point systems and leaderboards. Um, There's just finish here, get it. Yeah, in. and and the, there's a bunch of other stores in the region that that are affiliated with the series right. that run qualifiers, uh, as well as the ones that are run at Apex that we do commentary for. Um, but the uh, um, so we, we had 80 people qualified, 65 show up, and the the prize structure is down to 64th. So Todd and I are joking in the early rounds, like one person is going to be the unlucky one that bubbles and doesn't cash this event. Uh, of course, you know, the, uh, Kyle Huck, the, uh, the, one of the owners of Apex and, and the TO for the event is like, yeah, we're going to give away another hundred dollars because that was the top 64 yeah. prize, like to make sure nobody has that you yeah. know, huge feel yeah. bad. It also means that, like it, when you're 03, you could just drop. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you don't have to keep fucking plugging on it. yeah like you feel some sort of compelled to not be uh last and there was an rcq side event uh over the weekend you know apex has grown so much in the two years that todd and i've been doing events there mm-hmm. they, used oh, to yeah. have, they used to have a like a a medical supply business that he also owned that was in like the basement next to where uh the store is and they sold all of that stuff and then turned that basement into like the event space so now they have you know 4,000 square feet. They can do an event Jeez. for hundreds of people. Uh, so hopefully we grow, grow to that space. It's got, you know, a place on site to, to uh, serve food. They have got a liquor license, which in Caldwell, Ohio, Jeez. requires you to go on the November ballot. <laughs> and they did okay. that. Uh, so the next time we're up there, they're going to have beer uh, at the uh, on site. I have a question. I have a question, Ross. How yeah. do I get involved? <laughs> I feel like I should be getting involved. Mm. We'll, we'll talk after the show, Tan. Okay. I'll have your uh, so, people talk to my people. Yeah. So th- this is becoming su- such a big event. And like the community that uh, I've, we've all watched, like the community get built up. There's all these names that we keep seeing. Um, and, you know, one of the names that we've seen since the beginning, Amina Body won the Invitational, uh, which was, uh, uh, you know, great to see. And we did a nice interview with him afterwards. So, um, you know, this to me was the best weekend we've had at Apex. And, um, I, I just, it's incredible to me how this only gets bigger and better. Like the, the first month that the first time Tan or Tandy and I went up there. Yeah. The uh, first time I was there. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. You know, I, I didn't even know what to expect. I don't, and I thought we were just going to be at a, a typical local game store, maybe slightly nicer. And, uh, by nicer, I generally mean cleaner. <laughs> and sure, sure. Uh, we were Everybody gonna get, you know put it put at a table in the back and be like watching the stream to try to do commentary um and instead i walk in and it's this gorgeous space that has you know tvs and couches and we're in this back room that's a fully soundproofed you know with its own screen connected to all the cameras and watching everything and our director is right there and you know it was you know all of the uh, immediately blew my expectations out of the water and we we've only grown from there but so if you haven't watched any of the apex events uh i encourage you to do so the uh, season four is going to be starting up again in march of 2024 so we've got a little bit of, of an off season here before it starts up again and you know of course if you're at all able to get to the southeast ohio area 
I would encourage you to, uh, start attending some of these events because, um, you know, they're, they're just, this is to me the closest thing to the SCG tour that we have had since no offense to NRG. Um, I, I just think that what apex is doing and what they're building with the space that they have there in Caldwell, Ohio is, uh, something unique. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of uh, watching it grow from what I can only classify as like a grassroots organization to like an actual mid mid central USA like powerhouse. Like Midwestern is what I was trying to say there. I couldn't think yeah. of Midwestern. Uh, it's been awesome. And then, you know, watching you get to do coverage has been awesome as well. Like, I think I, I messaged you randomly the other day. I think I texted you like, I want to I cast with you at some point because I was watching coverage and like seeing you do this. I was just like, you and I would have that like natural chemistry, yeah, which is which is great. And I'm, I mean, this is now maybe like the tenth time I've done coverage between the, this and the Manitraders events with Corey, it, and I just feel so much more comfortable in the booth than I did. It's, a, you know, it's amazing ago. how different, right? It's yeah. amazing how different. It, it, I, I can hear it too. And like, look, that's not me like trying to say I'm I'm great or like I'm better than you or et cetera, but like I can just yeah. hear the comfort level like change from the first time you yeah. first couple times because like you know we talked about it. You know, you you talked to me a little bit before before your first one. You were like. You know, and I, I actually had a friend recently reach out to me, uh, Adam Wasburn Moses. He was like, I'm doing commentary for the first time this weekend, like any words of wisdom. And I'm like, I always give like some of the same generic stuff because it's things you don't think about. I'm like, drink a lot of water. Don't go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like short, simple. Like yeah, you can come back nah. to it if you need to and just listen to the person next to you. Because like when I first got into the business, one of the worst experiences I ever had, I had a co-caster that like they just didn't listen. You know what I mean? There was no actual, com- they just said whatever they wanted at all times, which is fine sometimes. But you could tell I was like, I would say something like ask a question, lean into something, and then it would just the the conversation would take yeah, a right. It would just turn. be a non sequitur. Yeah, I'm like what what's going? On? You can see me like you know, I'm not a camera. You see me just look around like what? Yeah. And you're just not on? sure what to do at that point. So, yeah, and that throws you it off. Threw yeah. Me. yeah, yeah, it becomes yeah, a whole exactly. mess. But so it, you know the the comfort also it manifests itself in in two ways. Like one, obviously, you know, I'm more confident when I'm speaking, and that sounds better and comes across better. I'm better at, you know, thinking on my feet and, and filling air when yeah. I need to, but that's, that's one of the hard things. Yeah. I'm, I'm a lot better at noticing my mistakes too. Like I'll have a round happen and I'm like, oh, this is what I needed to do. And I, I, I can, I can get better over the course of a broadcast. Whereas I don't think I was doing that as much early on. Um, so, uh, you know, that's been you know, rewarding on a, on a personal level, but. Uh, Are you hard yeah. on yourself? Am I, uh, oh yeah, always. I'm so tough on myself. It's bad. Like yeah, like every any any mistake I make in what a cart does. Like when I don't remember hey. that a ten year old burn spell can target planeswalkers, but not any target, or it only targets sure. creatures. Or you know, does Flame of Anor does the draw mode target, or is it just yeah. draw two cards? You know, I, I'm I'm usually harsh on those things. Um, there's a, there's a lot uh, also recognizing all the cards nowadays like our my job yeah. has gotten because I'm the play-by-play guy usually so I have to like recognize everything my job has gotten extremely difficult yeah that stuff I'm a little less harsh on myself about yeah um, you, you can't be we've actually had uh, uh, uh Emma's been with us the last couple of times we've gone up to it, apex and she's she's usually like sitting she's off real the side good. in the booth yeah. doing like do you know working on stuff and but whenever she's there and we don't recognize a card, we just call her in. We're just like, Emma, what is that card? And she yeah. looks up and just tells us what it is immediately. She, immediately. she gives you the look like you idiot. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, she, yeah, she's our, she's our, what weird printing of this card is, you know, is that 
uh, expert yeah. and it, she is awesome at it. So unfortunately we're not going to have, have her next time. She won't be in the U S in March. Um, well, maybe I will be. That's all I'm yeah. going to say. Anyway, uh, one of the other crazy things with me is, uh, I did, I, you know, I did like a lot of pro tours this year and I did worlds and I was doing cards in hand for worlds. And the hardest is if the players have non-English cards in their deck, because sometimes you have non-English cards and then like the lands can be very difficult. So the, the ones that gave me the most fit was, uh, any of the standard Esper decks, because all of the, like the blue, black or blue, white lands, because you see how people hold their cards. You get to see maybe 20% of the card. Yeah. I can't read the card. And then. All I see is that it's a blue-white land. And I see the picture, and all the pictures are very similar. So Frank Carson and I were joking about it that, like, we have to guess sometimes. And we were just like, our variance was very low that weekend. Like, we just got we got it wrong all the time. You'd be like, oh, that's a Dark Flick Shores. And you're like, no, that's a, that's a you know, whatever the, the, the blue-black, you know, if you have two lands or whatever more, the slow yeah, land is called, yeah. you know, whatever. And I'm just like, yeah, I mean, like, I dude, it's so difficult. Because if you look at the border, everything looks exactly the same, et cetera, so... Yeah, right. I, I'm. I've gotten good at two things. One, looking at the name and just judging by the length of the words. Sure. Okay. Uh, I can, even yeah. if I can't perfectly read it. Sure. And I've gotten better using the context clues of where the person puts it on their battlefield. We had a moment See, last weekend where yeah. they play what's clearly like a red enchantment, and hmm. Todd wasn't sure what it was, and it like thought it might be a fable, and I was like, No, Todd, that's a blood boon. Because if it was it Fable, is. they would have put it towards the right side of their battlefield. Was it one of the they put it all the way to the lens. Yeah, they put it like the zone of like this is like the almost a planeswalker zone. This is here it affects the game, but it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah but it's I not going to affect the combat. Sure. So I was yeah. like, that's definitely a blood moon, and I was exactly right. It was it was a blood moon. Yeah, like I'm good about that too. Uh, I was having more cards in hand. Like I'm literally yeah. behind them with an iPad, keeping up with their hand. And also, while all this is going on, they're shuffling it, and then they put it down. Yep. And like, I don't ever want to say anything. Because, like, I'm trying to keep up. And, like, the only time I'm allowed to ever, like, interact with them is, like, before the game starts, I'm like, hey, can you, like, can you can you, can you show me, like, can you fan these out just a little bit? You know, like, can you show me your hand just a little bit better? Because some of them like to, like, they're, like, poker players. They, like, have these town and they're, like, peeking, you know? So, anyway, uh, you know, lots of Magic was played over the weekend. Uh, a lot of us played on Magic online. And, you know, we made a kind of an allusion to this earlier in the show that, if you were doing any kind of pioneer practice, like if you have the RC in Atlanta coming up or, you know, the first pro tour next year is pioneer. Uh, pioneer has been pretty much the same for the last year. It's been very stagnant in my opinion. You know, you've had some decks, you know, a little bit fluid here or there, but like you've had a lot of the best decks, right? Well, it looks like the format might've gotten turned on his head, Ross, over the weekend. Yeah. This was the first weekend, uh, for lost cowards of Ixalan to show out. And it is certainly boy, did. did it show out. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, and surprise, surprise, it's the mechanic that casts spells for free that is problematic. Hold on, Ross. Where have I heard this before? You have a, you have a mechanic that either reduces the cost of something or makes it free in Magic the Gathering 4. That's certainly never been a problem in the history of the game. No, uh, this is, uh, it's really unprecedented and, you know, it's going to be tough to figure out how to deal with it. With you such almost a made me spit problem. my drink out, by the way. <laughs> it, the, the, the deadpan. No, this is unprecedented. I was like, oh man, I'm going to just spit all over my keyboard. Go ahead. Yeah. So the discover mechanic, uh, notably two specific cards, most of all Quator Quatorius Cond uh, and yeah. a Geological Appraiser. Um, the Quatorius Cons, did they freak you out the first time you saw them in person? Like the weird looking one? Oh, uh, like yeah. Like the weird multicolored moth thing? Yeah. It, it almost, like it took me a second to recognize it as an elephant. 
So yeah, it, it, say, did, it like, looks like a like moth. It, yeah, well, yeah, it looked like like Mothra. Yes, you know, I yeah. thought I thought it was Mothra. I thought it was. I legit thought it was some kind of secret layer. Like this is a Godzilla card or some Jurassic Park thing. And I'm like, no, it's just it's just a multicolored elephant. Yeah, you really have to have to look at it closely. It's like it's like the what were those things called? You know, when you're a kid, you had the books and you had to like look get real close to them. And you slowly pulled it away. Magic eye or something. Yeah, I think it's magic eye or seeing yeah. eye, something like something that. that. It, it looks those like things one like of those. never worked for me. I don't I, know, dude. Same. I've never seen one in my life. Like I've never I, had it work. I think it's because I wasn't able to like stop my. You had to like just stop your eyes from focusing. Yeah, that's not a thing. I, I, can, I do. can actually do it now, but I couldn't do it as a kid. So somewhere along the you know along the line, I picked up the skill. You need to get drunk or something, probably. And do it. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's how I learned. As, I just think about this. Like, what's different from you and I from when we were kids? Oh yeah, we were drinkers. Yeah, yeah the, anyway. the liquor taught me. <laughs> uh, so we basically have two different variants of like cascade combo now. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, the one is with Quintorius Cond and not playing any uh, cards that cost fewer than four, and your only four drops are the various clones in Magic that can copy a Planeswalker. So Spark so, yeah. Double and Clever Impersonator. So the way this works for everybody at home, and then Ross will go a little more to the deck, is Quintorius uh, Cond. You, you say Cond, as for somebody you say can, but Cond. Maybe it's canned. Minus, I don't know. Yeah, sure. sure. It, has, it has minus three, discover four. So the way the deck is built, you're always going to find either Spark Double or Clever Imposter. Now, there is a uh, static ability on the Planeswalker. It says whenever you cast a spell from exile, this deals two damage to each opponent and you gain two life. So every time you discover, it's going to trigger this. So what happens is, is you play the Planeswalker, you minus it, right? And it goes and finds uh, a Spark Double, right? So the Spark Double comes into play, copies Notorious, they take two. Now you have another Planeswalker of the same kind because it doesn't get the legendary ability. So yeah. now you have two of them. You activate it again. You activate the new one. Sorry, not again. You activate the new one for the first time, and you go and find another another one of these copy spells. But now they take four. So then you go find another copy, and then you do it again, and and now they take six. Now Ross, that's already twelve. So yeah, the next one should kill them. And then if you have to keep going, you can. Yeah. Now, now that's not true if you hit clever impersonator, since that one stays legendary. That's oh, why sure, you have sure. four spark doubles, uh, and uh, you know they have enough to that even if you hit the impersonators first, you're, yeah, you you're keep going. going. To kill them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It um, keeps triggering, yeah. And then, and then they've got Trumpeting Carnosaur as well, uh, with, you know, very few cards that cost, um, actually, yeah, Five. No, no other cards that cost fewer than six mm-hmm. because of, you know, Beanstalk Giant. We have so many, between the Adventures and, you know, Domain, you know, Leyline Binding is a big part of the stack, Herd Migration, <laughs> and then Split Cards. There's just so many ways to get around the Cascade yeah. uh, you know, or Discover Restriction. So Trumpeting Carnosaur will start this chain as well. And also be, a, you know, an early piece of interaction if you want to use the channel ability, even though it's not technically channel. Yeah, I almost never see anyone do it in the games that I've watched so far. And this is a really good point for you. So when you see a deck that, like, quote-unquote goes off on four or five or whatever, whatever you can cast on these cards, um, you know, you think, oh, like, they're probably susceptible to any kind of clock and maybe a tiny bit of interaction. But the problem is, is, like, yeah, you've got the four uh, Leyline Bindings. You've got four Virtue of Persistence. It's got Cosign to Oblivion here. You've got Herd Migration to make sure your mana is good and gain three life. And then it does have some ramp as well to make sure it gets to those four and five and six mana cards where you have Beanstalk Giant. You have Greater uh, Tunkai, I think is how you pronounce it. Tanuki, Tan- maybe? Tanuki. Oh, yeah, it's a different one. It's, it's, Kamiga- it's from Kamigawa, so it's got to be yeah. kind of... Maybe yeah, it's sure. Tanuki? Yeah, maybe yeah. it. You even have a Shefit monitor in the sideboard to go even harder on it because this one cycles and then you go, so you get a card and a land and stuff like that. And then it's got some real, 
Ross, I had to look up these cards because I haven't seen these since they got <laughs> printed. We've got yeah. the deck bedazzle in the sideboard. And the big part about that one is is it's an interaction spell. You know, it has red black hybrid mana for two mana. You give target creature plus three, minus three until it turns. So you can kill sort of like a hate bear or something like that. Yeah. If and you then, notice, all of the removal spells in this deck can answer Dranath Magistrate, which is like yep. the most obvious yeah. way to stop the, the, you know, the combo aspect of the yep. deck. Um, for those who aren't aware, we're, when we're talking about this specific list, this is the winning list from the Pioneer Showcase Challenge last weekend. Good call, Ross. Yeah, um, good call there. Yeah. Uh, but the, you know, the, the lists right now are pretty similar. I'm sure we'll see some innovation in the coming weeks as, you know, especially because, you know, hate is coming. Yes. Uh, you know, it's too soon to call the deck broken. Uh, my problem mainly is a lot of the deck is just annoying. <laughs> yes. A lot of people have already called it broken. I have already found a natural prey for it. Uh, we were, I was doing some, t I have a friend that's testing heavily for the RCs coming up and this is the deck that he's like, yeah, this deck's busted. I'm probably going to play it. He's, he's putting it spirits a few times, like blue, white spirits. He's like, yeah, this matchup's off. He's like, yeah. they have a clock and they interact with you a bunch. Uh, oh, you're telling me your combo deck is with no spells that are cheaper than four is bad against spirits. Weird. So so here's the other thing, though, and I know you're going to like kind of disagree because I know you've played the deck, but like, I just don't think the deck's very good. Like overall, because like, the thing is, it's a deck that you, you A, have to play Tessaton. You have to understand all your matchups. And if you draw even remotely worse than your opponent, your deck is weaker than theirs. Yeah. Uh, I would and describe so, it. It's the yeah. most unforgiving deck in yes. Pioneer. When things go right, the deck looks like a complete monster. Yes. But it, it does very not catch good, yeah. up well from behind, uh, and it does not, you know, uh, let you stumble, you know, uh, and if you, you know, even if you have like your B plus draw, if your opponent has their A plus draw, you're probably dead as well, uh, because you just don't have a lot of, of, um, sort of malleability to how you put like sequence your spells. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I agree with you that the spirit stack, it's, it's a fine deck. Uh, and that's why I think it like, because it, it it has those problems. It needs the right metagame to be good, but maybe this is the right metagame where you're preying on what might be the most popular deck in the RCs. Yeah. The, the one thing that I think might be interesting, you know, we, we've talked about how Pioneer has been so stagnant in the last year, and I think one of the reasons that it is stagnant is that mon it's because Mono Green Devotion puts such a huge constraint on the format because you can't really go over the top of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, they because they have that combo finish, and they're also like pretty fast at assembling. And if you don't interact with them, it's really hard to go over the top of them. And yeah, the deck is amazingly consistent when you don't interact with it; it'll just yeah. do its thing. Yeah, and, and there aren't really good like fast spell based combo decks in Pioneer. The combo decks are more creature oriented. The like Boros Heroic would be sort of kind of a combo deck. I know you know like Rona it has has been around. But these are all very, you know, where creatures are key parts of the combo. And so those decks end up being vulnerable to Rakdos, uh, you know, to a huge degree. This deck might be the, the sort of the kind of deck we were looking for to push Mono Green down in a way that doesn't allow Rakdos to just fill its space. There are other decks that you have to play, things like Spirits, you know, uh, maybe even Heroic just to race, because Heroic is very fast. Um, that that can you know uh, get some metagame churn going that is more long lasting. You know, the last year of modern of Pioneer has been a lot of you know a one month or a couple week stretch of hey, there's this new deck, whether it's creativity or Boros Convoke or um, I'm I'm sure there are others I'm forgetting, but like they all had their moment in the sun for a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, of and course. And then the yeah. metagame, it, like the the best decks in the format adapted to them. And now those decks have sort of, they haven't gone completely away, but they're firmly in tier two. And the tier one decks once again rise. There's not a lot that like mono green can do against a deck like this other than Karn for a piece of disruption, like Karn for a damping sphere. But then uh, they can, they can beat that. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, like, yeah. This shouldn't be that hard for them to figure out. Like they have four Leyline Mindings in their deck. Like, <laughs> You know, and, th- and this is all versions, I guess. Um, yeah, and we, we should go over the the other version yeah, before we get too say, deep. Before we, yeah, before we go over a few more things, let's, let's talk about the other version. The other version is more of a creature centric one, even though it does have a lot of spells in it. Now, the ramp in this one's a little different, and it's really creative. I love what they did here. They're playing creative, like, pun intended. They're playing creative outbursts and magma opus, and they're even playing two copies of elemental masterpiece. These are the spells from what was the school Strixhaven, where you can pay like blue-red hybrid mana, discard them, and make a treasure token. So this is like uncounterable ramp, kind of like the cycling land cyclers are that we had in the other deck, to uh, go ahead and ramp up to what this one's trying to do is it it, it obviously has uh, Trumpeting Carnosaur, like you were talking about, the big six drop that goes off, but this one has the uh, Geological Appraiser, the four drop three two that has Discover three, and this is really cool because this one goes off in a way that it's very similar to Contorius in the fact that it just has this four mana card that is a combo in and of itself. So we, t- we joke about this like this is the new Splitter Twin except it's a one card combo because what happens is you play the Geological Geological Appraiser and the only cards it can hit are Glass Pool Mimic which makes another Appraiser and keeps going or it's Eldritch, Eldritch Evolution which then hits Doomscar Titan. Or you can get uh, uh, the trumpeting Carnosaur yeah. to keep so going. You, you either hit Carnosaur to keep going, or you get to Doomscar Titan and kill them by giving all your stuff haste. Yeah, and then it also has a roundabout uh, fix here, because, hey, what if I draw my Doomscar Titan? The deck also has Galta Stampede Tyrant, which you can Eldritch Evolution into off of the Carnosaur, which, when it comes into play, lets you put creatures from your hand onto the battlefield, and you can kill them that way. Yeah, so, so it has as long a big as you have a... a a glass pool mimic, another appraiser, or a carnosaur yeah. in your hand, you can keep going with the Kalta. Yeah, and it's it's pretty interesting too. That like you're seeing some really cool and, and like the thing I love here is we're playing some suboptimal cards to make the deck better. Like you're playing Temple of Malice, Temple of Epiphany. You're playing Scrylands, which we've only seen these in like the I'm going to kill you the turn I start casting spells decks in the past. So this kind of fits the thing. We're seeing Zafrin Avoid come into there because it's a land that comes into play. It gets to Scry one. I've even seen people playing the new, the land out of the newer set. It's like, it's one of the filter lands. You know, you could pay one and tap it and add any color. But when it comes into play, it scribes with like, it's like something grotto or whatever, you know, one of those yeah. cards. And then you have a bunch of, you know, dual lands, obviously. And then this one also has like a Bedeck Bedazzle in it. It has Connive, Con, uh, what is that one? Concoct. Connive, Concoct. So Concoct, yeah. the Concoct side lets you rebuy one of your yep. uh, Discover creatures if they've, you know, stripped your hand with a bunch of discard. So you have built in. Uh, resiliency against you know that angle of attack. They've got thought distortion and cavernous souls in the sideboard now against okay. counter spell decks. It you know it, it's not that the hard to find specific too. cards that yeah. give you resilience to the narrow ways that your opponents can interact with you. You get mirror shell crab in the sideboard as well. It's another way to have a counter spell in your deck because you, you can never actually play a counter spell in this deck because you can't play anything it costs like three, four, or five. You just you can't do it. Otherwise, your deck won't function and. These things are awesome. There, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on, and you and I were talking about this about how this kind of preys a little bit of well as well onto like the popular decks. Like when I look at like ArcLight Phoenix, a deck that's become extremely good and popular over the last few weeks. Like a lot of these are having you know a whole bunch of like spell pierces main, and 
that card isn't going to get it done against these decks. Ross, like, yeah, you could, like, maybe snipe an Edris Evolution, or you can maybe snipe a Quintorius, but, like, they can play around. They go, the card that I'm looking at that I think you're going to start seeing, like, four of and 75s, or three of and 75s, is Disdainful Stroke seems like the card that's going to hold this format together. Yeah, and Disdainful Stroke is certainly the best kind of spell against them, but, you know, what happens when, you know, that opens up exploits as players start going underneath you, and, and um, you know, it, it it's... You know, We've noted all of the ways that these decks have resilience. They can interact with you and find multiple copies and keep going off more and more into the mid game because, you know, every single copy of these cards is a way to combo. So, you know, how many disdainful strokes can you draw? I I think it, uh, the deck you mentioned, is it Phoenix, is a big loser from the rise of these Cascade decks. Phoenix had made a huge return. Oh. Um you know, was probably one of the better decks going into the RC. and It might have been the best deck, yeah. yeah these deck, these Cascade or Discover decks seem like a complete nightmare. Because the one thing that, that really distinguishes the Pioneer Phoenix deck from the old modern version is Clock. You know, you're not able to return Phoenixes on turn three consistently or even earlier. You know, uh, in in modern, you could return two Phoenixes on turn two. It was Manamorphose, Cantrip, and, and Faithless Looting. Yeah. Um, and you, you don't transform your thing in the ices that quickly. A lot of the lists play Ledger Shredder instead that doesn't even have the potential to have huge pressure. And that's why you have to morph post sideboard into that more controlling shell. Uh, you just don't have the same aggressive capabilities. Not to and, mention, you could have your best draw where you're like, where you somehow have the nuts and you return multiple Phoenixes on three or four and you're attacking and you attack them down to like nine and then they just kill you yeah. on the next turn. So then do you have to then you know wait until you have the counter spell up to bring your phoenixes back and then that just gives them enough time to find multiple copies and grind yep. through your counter spells or you know find their counter spell back or a whole host of other ways. So you're just constantly in, in a bad position. Like Phoenix is quite bad against combo de- against most combo decks and it's because Dude. you just don't have that much uh you know actual pressure. Phoenix is very good at interacting a little bit early and then winning the attrition race like it's a treasure cruise attrition deck in pioneer so those decks are going to be very bad against combo uh i think you'll see that you know the format get a lot more aggressive in the coming weeks you know uh i've i had been advocating to the people that have asked me to play sacred foundry at this upcoming rc i thought both boris heroic and boris convoke were good decks and it, to me it would have just been is the metagame likely to be more Rakdos heavy or mono green heavy uh and if it's mono green heavy you go with roic Rakdos heavy you go with convoke uh but now that's just completely out the window we're gonna have to see how you know what happens this weekend because the the rc is like three weeks from now like two uh, and a half i literally i literally just booked for this so give me yeah. a second keep, keep talking i have my i'll look at my flight up um so we got a little bit of time which i guess is good for players um so they have some time to react to this but um this is a this is definitely not a a flash in the pan, at least for now. We'll, we'll see if you know how the metagame adapts. But this to me feels it, it it's it feels qualitatively different than those decks that I talked about, like creativity and spirits, and uh, you know, uh, and Boris Convoke over the years, over the, this past year, that have you know, risen up and then receded back. I think this deck is really puts a completely different pressure on the metagame. And I, I, as much as I don't like this deck as a, like the play patterns of it, I think this is the kind of pressure that the Pioneer metagame needed. Yeah. So it's in about three weeks. Yeah. Like I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, if, if there were some form of, uh, infect ish deck, like a deck like that in this format, 
And if it, if the format was like this and a lot of monogreen, that deck would be actually be a pretty decent choice in the fact that you're going to win every game where you go first, most likely. Like, most likely. They have a bunch of interaction there. They might not be able to kill you on four, but, like, you're not going to beat their... The problem is you're not going to beat their really good hands. You know, where they go, like, interact, 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 play my thing, kill you, kind of thing. So, it's it's a weird spot to be in. You know, I was going to ask you if you think these decks are broken or not, because, you know, you always get the doom and gloom sky is falling on Twitter. Yeah. People are like, oh, man, like, you know, this is the, this format's awful, or, the, you know, this is really good, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I think these decks are really good, Ross. Like, yeah. I've watched them. They're extremely consistent, and they're extremely good. When I first heard about these decks and what they do, it sounded to me like the Gyruda deck. Yeah. You know, from when Ikoria like, was first it'll released. It'll be gone in three days. Yeah. And the problem with the Gyruda deck, of course, is that it really didn't interact with you. It Because you only milled four cards, you had to play something like 25 different even clones in order to consistently, you know, hit that chain and probably even more than that. Um, and that, you know, that deck building restriction was obviously so extreme that you, your your deck was never going to be able to be resilient against hate. But if you look at the Quintorius version of the deck, there's the four Quintorius and then six clones. That's it. The rest of it is all, you know, removal and ramp and then herd migration that just kind of like lets you win a game without your combo. And sometimes you just ramp and make five three threes and win the game with your five three threes after, you know, casting two or three removal spells. And you know, you can just like cast Beanstalk Giant at the end and then maybe spark double your Beanstalk Giant. Like there's ways to win outside of just resolving Quintorius and activating it and, and combo killing people. They're a little bit, you know, they they're a little bit scrappy. But I like decks that are scrappy, and I think you know both versions of it. You know the 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 creature version with with appraiser can you know it, it's I think it's a little bit worse at this because the treasure making like ramp cards um, aren't as good aren't as good later in the game, with the exception of magma opus. Like magma opus is kind well, of messed up. So yeah, like it's interesting. I was watching my buddy play this version of the deck, and he played against. Uh, you know, a control deck that was just leaving up counter spells, and he just like kept making his land drops, you know, doing whatever. And then it'd be funny, he'd be like, they'd be like, go, he'd be like, all right, creative outburst targeting you at the end of your turn. And you're like, what do they do? And they're like, okay, disdainful stroke. And then you untap, and you're like, okay, play my geological parade. And they're like, counter spell. And you're like, okay, next turn, go. And they're like, okay, go. And you're like, in a turn, magma opus you. And they're like, okay, counter spell. And then you're like, untap, and you're like, cast one of my combo pieces. And they're like, well, I'm dead now. Yeah. You know, now I've run out. And you're like, yeah, like, because they don't pressure you. So, like, if a control deck's going to be there, they need to have a plan to actually kill you quickly as well. So, like, they're going to need to go up to, like, a bunch of Wandering Emperors or a bunch of Flash Threats that you can play that are also, like, A, clocking your opponent, but, like, you don't have to invest more mana in them later. You know what I mean? Like, it's it, it's going to yeah. put so much pressure on everything I mean, that could prey on this. That That's just how how beating combo decks works. You yeah. have to prioritize pressuring them because you're not yeah. going to beat the top of their deck. Eventually, they will grind through all of your disruption. I don't think just jamming four extra counterspells in your sideboard is going to do it. Especially if you're a deck that has a very limited clock, like is it Phoenix? You've got to come up with some way to clock them. Like I think, you know, something like Young Pyromancer would be really good at that. They also you just have Cavern of Souls for this version as well. Yeah, exactly. You're like, how are, how are, you know, do you have a plan to ever beat Cavern of Souls or the four copies of Thought Distortion that both of these decks yeah. have in the sideboard? Like, in I'm sure the control bears are like, yeah, I play, you know, what, the, the three different versions of Field of Ruin in their deck? And I'm like, yeah, if they're smart, I mean, like, the, I remember playing with Cavern Souls the first time around when I had, like, Dissipate in my deck, and they would just wait to play Cavern Souls until they used it, you know, yeah. like, so you can't, yeah, like, 
wasteland doesn't work here buddy you know like it's like it's like capital souls and elves or whatever you know merfolk back in the day it's like you, you get it after they use it it's usually yeah. not good enough so you gotta have a plan to at least stop the first combo attempt yeah. and then deal with the cavernous souls afterwards what? and then have counter spells to stop the follow-ups and yeah. that could potentially work that's a complete plan so yeah Friends i are think playing the uh, counter spells that get around that stuff you know like yeah. the ones that get around uncounterable yeah, spells unsubstantiate or things like that yeah. Which, so yeah there's like four mana ones that like stop Emrakul and stuff it's like thought distortion or thought yeah or are you yeah. uh we might see some like summary dismissals summary dismissal that, that stops the, one, the discover yeah. trigger too that, yeah well is discovery coming discovery's coming to play right oh yeah it's true, not true. it's not like yeah. yeah again it's i had to i had to check real quick it's it's not like uh it's not like cascade i had to remember what the original version was called it's not like cascade where you know you triggers when you cast these have to hit play which it's funny, this actually, it, it's like, this is the fixed version of it. Well, this is why these decks work, because because a lot of them work with Glasspool Mimic, you know, or, you know, Spark Double, because it's when the card comes into play, so you can trigger it off of not casting it. Because this is supposed to be, like, the fixed version of it, and it broke the format. So this is this is hilarious yeah, to me. I, and there's just always, like, something else that that version combos with. Like, come on. The, this, the, the most worrying part of this to me is that it should have been very obvious that like something weird was going to happen. Now, I would have assumed that the weird thing was going to be Gyruda esque, but I'm, I'm, did they not figure this out? Did they not try? So let, let's not, let's they not, not put it like that. Let's not put it like that. Let's not put it on them because you know you and I've talked about this. A card design is like probably one of the hardest jobs in all of TCGs. Like I I could yeah. not do it for one thing. Like I don't think I could do this. B like. They don't have the time or the resources to test everything. They just don't, especially yeah. in the, the, the eternal so formats. Th things slipping by are generally fine, but like this is a thing that is slipping by in an exact way that previous things have been be like have been too good. Are you are you just memeing me with the uh, how many times do I have to teach you this lesson, old yeah. man, or whatever? Yeah. Like, okay, so like I get that. We, we get went that, through but... this cascade nonsense in modern when they printed Tibalt's trickery. Yeah, and and Tibalt itself. So. How do you fix it then? If it's if if it is actually broken and there's nothing we can do here, how do you fix it? I mean, I well, if it's actually broken, then things are going to get banned. My yeah. The, the good news is I actually think like these decks might end up being healthy for the pioneer meta game. I can agree with that. Yeah, which I, is not a stance I thought I was going to take when we started Same. this show. It's actually Same. something I've been thinking Same. about as we've been talking. Yeah, no, right. I'm like maybe this is just okay. The, the one thing that I am a little worried about is in the same set that we're getting Geological Praiser and Trumpeting Carnosword, they put Cavern of Souls, so it went into Standard and into uh, Pioneer. I'm like, that might have been a slight oversight in the fact that, hey, we just want to reprint this card. We have a Chase Rare that has, like, you know, the it has the color stuff like the Hitsugos did. You know, yeah. There's, like, $500 versions of Cavern of Souls. And, like, that's great for collectors, right? But, like, we might have hurt the format a tiny bit. Um, well, in these applications, Cavern, yeah. Cavern could be annoying. I think Cavern helping out disruptive aggro decks, like there's a five-color humans deck, and there was one in yeah. the Pioneer Challenge from this weekend. Um, the, the Pioneer versions aren't as disruptive as like the modern versions, but like that's it's, a deck that weird. could be good against these Cascade oh, decks. Yeah. You know, you you curve one drop Thalia into Mantis Rider or, or uh, Adeline, uh -huh. you know, you're, you're looking pretty good. Like you're dead if they don't do something, yeah. Yeah. And granted, Thalia doesn't, I guess it can stop the chains. Like if they appraise her to Elder Evolution, if they try to go for it on turn three, they they really have to wait a turn, even against the creature version. And obviously, you know, Contorius is going to cost more and um, 
I guess Spark Double and Clever Impersonator won't. <laughs> so, yeah, sure. Yeah, so it actually only like stops just play, my turn. You just but... have to play Danith Magistrate like me. If this deck is going to be that that impactful, like there's a possibility. And here's the thing too: if you think you are going to play this deck at the RC, do yourself a favor: start ordering the uncommons and rares now, because like finding four copies of Bedeck, Bedazzle, and Connive, can, uh, Concoct, and some of these things, like, you're, yeah, you're going to need to find the older them. ones. Yeah, because, like, these were rares and sets that, like, look, I might have some of these sitting around because I'm a pack rat or whatever, and I played these sets and busted these sets a lot, but, like, you know, these TCG stores aren't just going to have mountains of these sitting around. Like, I actually thought about going to my LGS and seeing if they have a bunch of copies of these and just grabbing them, you know, being like, yeah, these are going to be, like, big, and, like, you know, getting four creative outbursts, you know, it's just an uncommon that, like, I know it doesn't sound like it's difficult, but sometimes just finding the uncommon, because like, if you try to find them on site weekend of, good luck. You might not. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, if I was a vendor, I would bring a bunch of these and just sell them for like, you know, 200% or whatever, but yeah, but we're, we're in for an interesting couple weeks because, you know, we have stock, you know, lists of these now and people who are preparing, especially for the US RC in a couple weeks, they're going to be incentivized to, to either, you know, adapt their decks to beat it or adapt these decks to beat the hate. And if you find the way to consistently do it, if you, know, if you find the best list of a potentially broken deck, now you've got to keep it under wraps. So we're probably going to have a lot of people like hiding information for the next couple weeks. We're going to see mainly stock versions of these decks on Moto, maybe with some innovations for people that don't have that incentive because they're not going to these tournaments. Um, so this is an interesting couple weeks because the it's difficult to parse the information, um, but it's very clear what the major questions are. You know, we now have, we have a, a public enemy here that is not just Mono Green and Rakdos and Phoenix. And, uh, you know, will this deck, you know, unlike the, the other ones that have preceded it over this year, sort of pass the test of becoming a lasting member of the tier one in the Pioneer metagame? Yeah, I, I, I think it is tier one, Ross. Like, this, this is my gut reaction from watching it play a few games, seeing the uh, the stuff. That I, I think this deck is good enough that you're going to see a bunch of people playing it. I think it's I think it's very good. I think it's very resilient. It's it's like it's like Splinter Twin, Twin without like having to have the second card, right? Like you just cast a four drop in a lot of these games, and like that's good enough. And it makes me wonder about like what how their format's going to react because there was another deck that had kind of been gaining popularity over the last few weeks, and some people were saying that like they thought was the best deck in Pioneer before this got legal with Boros Convoke. And if you have the really good Boros Convoke draws into the, uh, what's the the newer card, the 2-2 the for 3-man? Recruiter? Yeah, that one. If you have a Recruiter, like, you can just straight kill them because they might not interact with you enough. Like, killing one thing might not kill them. That's the problem, though, is it puts so much pressure on you that you have to have the nuts or, like, yeah, maybe you play, you start playing a different, you know, two-drop that slows them down by a turn and you play a bunch of copies of those. And like maybe that gets you there, but even that might not be good enough, you know. And that that's the thing that kind of worries me about the deck, and like why I think it's tier one is like there's no easy way. Like you're going to have to skew your deck a lot to, to disrupt this enough. Yeah, and uh, there's go. You're still going to be in those tight spots where you're, you're taking your second turn on the draw, and you didn't have a one drop. So it's do I cast a creature? So I can actually apply some pressure or develop my own moan, my own game plan, or do I hold up my disruption? Do I slow myself down because I might just die? And you don't even because of the way the channel, you know, treasure cards work, 
you don't even know if they have the fourth mana until they're in step. They just get yeah, the pass with two mana yep. up, you yep. know, and the, you're just like, nah, I might be dead, but I don't know. And, yeah. you know, twin put people in those spots as well. I will say that the lesson we learned from playing against twin is you make them have it. <laughs> yes. More often than not, the, the answer is uh, to that question is make them have it. Uh, I do have to get out of here in just a second. Uh, I have a, uh, a a gym thing that I have to make up, but there was another card over the weekend that really broke out that you wanted to talk about. It was mostly in modern, the card that you know you and I had talked about during the spoiler that we thought was a, a big deal, and that's Tasana's Tidebinder. And yeah. you said that one actually really impressed you over the weekend, right? Yeah, it's been a, a it's now become a big part of the Team of Rhinos deck. We saw the Team of Rhinos deck do very well in the Modern Showcase Challenge. Um, I think it might have taken first. There were two in the top eight. I don't know exactly where it finished. Yeah, first and uh, somewhere else. Yeah, there was some more really doing well. Um, yeah, yeah. And we had a player make the top eight of the Invitational with Tidebinder in her deck, Dawn Delosier. Uh, lost a you know, sort of heartbreaking match in, in game three of the top eight. Otherwise, you know, might have taken the whole thing down. Um, it does a lot, you know, it does a lot. And every, if you remember, I talked about this card quite a bit when we went over the set saying like, this isn't stifle. You're not just saving it and hitting fetch lands, though you can. And hitting fetch lands is perfectly fine, but hitting a triggered ability off of Amulet of Vigor and taking away Amulet's abilities in that matchup, hitting a triggered ability off of uh, the Evoke creatures and, you know, uh, ensuring that like they don't have abilities for the rest of the game, hitting um, an activated ability of the One Ring and turning off the One Ring's abilities for the rest of the game all these things are, uh, you know, very, very impactful. And then there was an aspect of the card for this deck that, you know, I obviously overlooked talking about it in general. It's a wizard, as a lot of merfolk are. Yeah. And, uh, you know, these riders decks were, were playing Mutavault in their mana base to turn yeah. on Flame of Anore for the, the double mode uh, ability. Now you actually have an actual wizard that you can play to turn on Flame of Anore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to harpen back just a little bit. When we did the kind of review of that set, that was a card that I actually picked out and said, like, I think this card could show up in Modern. And I thought, I was like, there, there's a chance for it because it, if it's a really good uh, little spot, it's a very flexible card. It's just really good. I'm glad to see that card get played more because I love cards like that and designs like that. And I'm excited to be able to... I, I can't wait to play a Tidebinder Flame of an deck that's right up my alley. Yeah, it, it just does so many cool things and very impactful things. Um, you know, while, while enabling flame, the one thing I will warn people about, and I missed this when we were doing coverage, the ability of Tidebinder says only turns off the card that whose ability you counter if it's an artifact, creature, or planeswalker. This came up a lot in the hammer matchup. If you counter a triggered ability off of Sigarda's aid or, you know, something with the triggered ability of Forgenew, the enchantments will not be affected. They're so, still there. Yeah, yeah, they still have abilities. So it's only artifact, creature, and planeswalker. Why the card is templated that way, where it could have just said non-land permanent and been cleaner mm -hmm. and more effective. I'm without, sure there's a reason. Yeah, there's got to be some reason. Uh, it might have been too good, honestly, just answering everything. But They just went went out of their way for it. But yeah, <laughs> it was a, it was just an impressively versatile card. It reminded me a lot of like Vendillion Click, where... Sure. You know, most of the time people got into this rut where they're casting click on their opponent's draw step, but the the best players knew that they could use it in a lot of different ways. Obviously, targeting yourself, which I'm sure you did a lot, as did yes. I. Uh, you know, tar getting your opponent in combat because they wanted to attack first and before playing their like post combat uh, spell, casting it on the end step to like pick a fight with them and make sure the coast was clear for like a Jace. 
you know, there was just so many different things that the card could do. Uh, and when you, you learn how to utilize every part of the Buffalo is a really impressive magic card in its day. Uh, Tidebinder reminds me a lot of that. Like you, you got to play with the card and watch it to really see how many different situations where it's impactful beyond just the obvious stifling of Edgeland. Uh, speaking of impactful stuff, I'm going to go through over one more thing real quick. Uh, this whole set, the Lost Cabins of Ixalan, seems to be pretty damn impactful and pretty damn good. Uh, I've actually been playing a tiny bit of standard on Arena lately, and I don't know if you've seen this, but like this set has changed up standard quite a bit. One of the big surprises, and I'm not surprised after playing the card in Limited that it's having the effect it is, it's Subterranean Schooner. Have you seen this card? Oh, it's one of the, my favorite cards in the set. Yeah, so every home, it's one of the blue for a 3-4 artifact vehicle. Uh, whenever it has crew one, and whenever it attacks, the creature that crewed it this turn explores. And people are comparing this to like some of the other two mana uh, vehicles yeah, that we've had in the past. Yeah, it's literally just Smuggler's Copter and all these stuff. Like, it does an invasion, it's a 3-4, so it gets around a lot of early removal. But it's very good. A lot of people are playing in the Esper decks, but they're also playing like Warden of the Inner Sky. They're playing like Kite Seal, Larcenist, and then What's the the blue one drop that makes a map? Uh, you know, the Flying Man? Oh, here, I got it. Spyglass Siren? Like, they're playing that too. So, like, this is really cool. So you're playing Spyglass Siren and Warden of the... I literally just said it. Warden of the... I'm scrolling back up. Give me one second. Uh, Warden of the Inner Sky. So you're playing these as your one drops, right? And they work very, very well together because Warden says you have to tap three untapped artifacts or creatures. So, like, those two one drops make three. They both also yeah. grew the subterranean scooter you have map to kind of like churn through your deck and stuff some more and like i've been playing version of this as blue white and as esper and the decks have really impressed me because you get to kind of like build up a battlefield that's really good but then you get to play this like draw go as well because you're playing like uh the wandering emperor uh, you're playing the white virtue you know that makes the two two and then you can like play it for five and it makes all your stuff bigger but like that is a another thing that you could play at like flash speed also playing like make disappears and some removal spells and stuff like that. And like this, this deck is my kind of jam, Ross. Like you, you get to attack from a bunch of different angles. Your sideboards are really good. And uh, maybe standard's good. Like, yeah. We'll have to see. Cause this set is impactful, like way more than I thought it would be. I've long said that standard needed ways to be aggressive. And it looks like we found some. And what, what the warden is also, you know, now an auto four of in Boros Convoke. It's yep. excellent that deck and Pioneer. So uh, showing some chops in multiple formats there. Yeah, so early returns on LCI, very positive. Also, it's really cool with Wandering Ember that you just put the plus and plus one counter on it and, like, you don't have to tap a bunch of stuff so you can get the ability to trigger yeah. as quickly as possible. Like, because once you give, once the thing becomes a four or five flying vigilance creature, it's real easy to win the game from there because you just have this Sarah Angel that you've invested one mana into in, like, a little bit of time while you're also growing your battlefield and doing all this other stuff. So, uh, I gotta say this. Lost, uh, the, the new Ixalan set, the Lost Caverns of Ixalan, pretty, well, it's doing way better than I thought it would, and in a very cool way in the fact that, like, this is, this is what I want for my sets. Like, I don't think we're going to see many of the mythics from the set. Like, we'll see a few, right? Like, I think Cavern, uh, Cavern of Souls is a mythic, but, like, the mythics are cool, they're big, they're flashy, they do some fun stuff, they'll show up in some places, but, like, it's the rares and commons that are getting it done. And, like, that's a well-designed set, in my opinion. It's like, yeah, it's not the big, gaudy, flashy cards that are just getting it done. It's the role players, it's the the, the good commons and stuff like that are getting it done. And this is the kind of magic that I remember and I've identified with, and I'm loving to see this kind of comeback. I completely agree. Um, you know, it's and it just makes things more interesting, too. Every set just having five busted mythics in it. 
Yeah, you're like, oh, well, there's another $80 card that I have to go get yeah. more of. Yeah, there's another she holds it, right? Like that kind of thing. And yeah, I look, when I looked at the set, first glance over it, I was like, yeah, it's Ixalan. Maybe even thought it's kind of white bread. I don't want to say boring, but just kind of meh. And the more I'm looking at it, loving it, I'm getting my ass kicked and limited, but I got to learn the set. <laughs> and I want to figure it out. There's so much going on. The, 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 the set is so in depth. But overall, yeah, huge win. I think the set's great, especially if the discover mechanic ends up being good, but not broken which is my hope but right now it's looking like it's very good yeah it, it's the fact that the decks are a lot more interactive than i initially anticipated when i just heard about them uh is a, a very good sign and uh, <laughs> it makes me a lot more hopeful for them being a healthy part of the metagame rather than you know something incredibly annoying and oppressive mm. well i think that's going to do it for this week's episode i have, I have uh, one last thing before oh, yeah, we go, go ahead and sure i just got a picture of the pies they've come out of the oven i saw them well i saw the pre-oven yeah. uh, pictures do me oh. a favor retweet this on twitter so everybody can find it i have the post it. oven pictures okay i'm gonna I'm we're gonna look, get off they look fantastic gonna, i'm sure they'll be on twitter soon yeah but i got i got the early preview Wait, and wow i just i just got the i just got the new ones uh emma's tweeted now ross don't eat these pies love it tell her to put them on the windowsill the whole <laughs> <laughs> So for everybody at home that's listening this weekend, thanks so much. I know we uh, ranted quite a bit, but it is the holidays. You're going to get that quite a bit from us. Also, look out for the next couple episodes. We'll probably be uh, going back to the... We still haven't figured a name out for that, which I don't know if we're ever going to... The, the, the kind of like flashback episodes yeah. that we've had. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think of them as old men talking, but that's kind of our entire show, every yeah. show. So maybe not the most descriptive. Um, I mean, I had a lot of fun doing it. Like an I, actual I did lot too, of fun, yeah. So. And, I assume that we'll get a lot of them done in December. We're definitely going to have a breakdown of the RC because that's going to be a big week. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, how LCI evolves in standard, modern, pioneer. But outside of, of those couple points, it's just going to be us uh, reminiscing about our glory days. <laughs> so few and far between. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, what Ross, we remember of them. All right, Ross, I love you, buddy. Hope you have a good Thanksgiving. Uh, you too. Give all your friends my love and everything. And everybody at home, I hope you'll have a great Thanksgiving, even though it's already happened in the past. Just know that I meant it when I said it before Thanksgiving. Brent, I hope you have an okay Thanksgiving and we can get this house quickly as possible. <laughs> I love you, Brent. All right, everybody. We'll see you all next time.